0: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You're listening to NBC Sports Philadelphia. He has been cleared. He has been cleared. And, and uh, so we're, we're all excited about that. He's cleared. he goes. Um, I've said all along that, you know, he, he's our guy. We draft him to be our guy. I mean, he's, he's excited. He's ready. I mean, he was probably, in his mind, he, he was probably ready a month ago, you know. But our plan was in place. He understood it. And uh, he embraced that. And now he's ready. Ruben Frank. Sixth most in NFL history. Rude Knows. The first quarterback in NFL history. 100 or higher each of us NFL history. The podcast. Now, here's Ruben Frank. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining this week's edition of Rube Knows Podcast. I'm Ruben Frank, and we're presented by Deborah Heart and Lung Center. If it's your heart, demand Deborah. Visit demanddebora.org. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and rate the podcast wherever you go to listen to podcasts. And read my stories every day of the week on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. A lot of stuff to talk about coming off the Eagles' first loss of the season. First loss in a long, long time. Uh, we're going to kind of break down some of the things we saw in the game against Tampa. Uh, we're going to look at the Eagles' dire need at wide receiver uh, after the latest injury to Mike Wallace. Uh, but first, got we got we to go with the big news of the day. That's the return of Carson Wentz. Uh, we kind of had a feeling... Sunday night, Doug said he was going to have a a big announcement. We kind of knew what it was. Uh, This was the week that, since it was apparent he wasn't starting the opener, week three seemed to be the consensus that Carson would be back. Uh, He's looked great. He said he was close three weeks ago. And uh, it's great news for the Eagles. Uh, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl in Carson's absence. You'll never hear me say anything negative about Nick Foles in in the big picture. Uh, But this is an upgrade. And uh, this is a significant upgrade. And uh, a, a couple things come to mind here with Carson Wentz. A, a lot of people have asked on Twitter, shouldn't they give him a couple extra weeks and kind of let him practice and, and all that? No, he's ready. He's an MVP-type quarterback. And when you have an MVP-type quarterback in uniform, you play him. And uh, there, there's no there's no shades of gray about this. When he's ready, he was going to play, and he's ready. The moment he was cleared he was going to be the Eagles quarterback. It doesn't matter who the opponent is, what their pass rush is like, how good they are. Uh, when he was ready, he's going to play. And uh, I've read a lot of stuff over the last 24 hours about how uh, don't expect Carson to come in and single-handedly turn this thing around. They need uh, – even Doug Peterson said it. Even uh, you know Carson, I'm sure, will say it. Uh, he's not a Superman. They need everybody. That's, that's, that's a load of crap because I'll tell you what, Carson – is so good that he raises a level of everyone around him. He is Superman, and he has a, a very rare ability uh, to to play at a level that raises everyone's level around him. And as good as Nick Foles has played at times, Carson Wentz gives you he gives you an order. He gives you a sense of uh, consistency. And Nick Foles has these wild variances in his games from game to game and even as we saw Sunday in Tampa within the game. Nick Foles was terrible for about two and a half quarters and then he's out there running around making plays like it's the Super Bowl again and I I just don't know who he is. as I'll never understand who Nick Foles is as a quarterback. Carson gives you an an order, a consistency. Um, uh, There's an expectation of how he'll play and He gives that to you every Sunday, and every throw isn't perfect, and every decision isn't the right one, Uh, but there's a real sense of consistency, and when you bring that to the team, it it really has a carryover effect, and I think you'll see it from the offense. I think you'll see a different offense once Carson's in there. I don't think we're going to have to wait till the third quarter. I don't think we're going to have to wait till week five. Uh, I think from the first series, you're going to see this offense function with a rhythm and a cohesion uh, and and a consistency that we just haven't seen uh, in a long while. And it's not a knock on Nick Foles. He just is who he is. His game lends itself to extremes, extreme variances, extreme ups and downs. And when he's on one of those ups and he can sustain it for uh, a game or three games, you win a Super Bowl. I mean, the ups... The high points are that good, um, but Carson uh, is going to just be a much more, uh, you know, you, you picture like in the hospital when they have the uh, you know, the EKG chart. You know, like Nick Foles would be these crazy ups and downs, and, and Carson's is just kind of like this, you know, flat flat line with a couple little bumps, and that's who he is a, as a player, and that's just who they are as players. I think the result of having Carson in there is the entire offense and even the entire team is just going to look more settled, more consistent. You, know, you kind of know what to expect, down in and down out, series in and series out, quarter in and quarter out. And week in and week out with with Carson Wentz. So uh, don't let anybody tell you that he's not going to make a huge difference or that it's going to take everybody on the team. Well, everybody on the team, of course, has to play well. Uh, but just having Carson out there. Yeah, is is a huge upgrade. Not a knock on Nick Foles. You guys know I'm, I'm a huge Nick Foles guy. But the reality is, Carson's a better quarterback. He's a more consistent quarterback, and the offense is in very, very good hands once he gets back out there. Which leads to the next topic, which is who's he going to throw the football to? And this is a this is a kind of a unusual situation. The Eagles were thin at wide receiver before training camp even started. Uh, Now Alshon's been out the the first couple weeks. Matt Collins is on injured reserve, and the latest injury is Mike Wallace, broken fibula. It's non-displaced, which means he could conceivably be back in a month to six weeks. It's tough to tell with these kind of things, but it's not necessarily a season-ending injury. Could put him on IR and lose him for eight weeks and then bring him back. Uh, under the new IR rules, you have two guys that you can bring back after eight weeks. They now have three guys on IR, uh, so certainly some decisions there. Richard Rodgers, the tight end, and Mac Collins. Only two of those guys can, can be brought back, uh, plus whoever else that you lose. It's only been two weeks now. Uh, it really leaves them thin, a wide receiver. And you know, it's basically Nelson Aguilar who's been incredible. And even though the numbers might not show it, he's been incredible. Uh, and we'll talk about him in a minute but and then just a bunch of you know Kamar Aiken and DeAndre Carter and Shelton Gibson uh it's it's a it's a a precarious group of wide receivers right now and uh, Doug Peterson spoke on Monday about the, uh, the the importance of bringing someone in and they'll do that they'll sign somebody it won't be Braxton Miller Doug basically said that Braxton the third round pick that the Eagles have on their practice squad, the Ohio State kid, uh, Heisman finalist uh, with the Buckeyes, said he's, uh, he, he's not ready. I don't know if he'll ever be ready, but uh, it's an intriguing name. It won't be him. Maybe they'll bring back Marcus Wheaton. He said it's got to be a veteran. The challenge is it's just a position where it's really hard to bring in a guy in the middle of a season and get him to the point where he can make plays within a few weeks. Things are so complicated for wide receivers. The terminology, the chemistry with your quarterback, understanding what the coaches are looking for at practice, learning the plays, so much goes into it that a guy who's been on the street just doesn't know. And Mike Wallace spoke the other day before he got hurt just about how he and Nick Foles weren't even on that proverbial same page yet. And he's been here for all of OTAs and training camp. So now they're going to try to bring in a guy and accelerate that process and get a guy up to speed, uh, and, and it's just a really, really hard thing to do. That's why you just don't see wide receivers coming in in the middle of the season and making an impact. Uh, I honestly think the Eagles have a better shot at getting production from one of the guys who's already here, whether it's Shelton Gibson or Kamar Aiken or bringing back a guy like Marcus Wheaton who they just cut, brought back, and cut again. And he's on the street a guy who's been here all of training camp, someone that knows the plays, knows the quarterback, knows the coaches, knows the culture of the team. I know everybody wants Dez Bryant. Everybody wants Plaxico and T.O. and Joey Galloway and every other old wide receiver that's on the street that was great five years ago. I I just don't think the Eagles are going to go in that direction, and and I'll tell you why. There's a few reasons. Number one, this is a very delicate culture that Howie and Joe Douglas and Doug Peterson have built. They are very careful who they bring in. And it's not as much talent as how you fit in with the other 53 guys in the locker room. Ideally, you'd like to have both. But we're talking about three weeks into a season. There's not a lot of guys out there on the street who are talented. And the ones who are, there's a reason they're not employed. Uh, They either had off the field problems, uh, they have a bad reputation in the locker room, they're a guy that's only out for themselves. It's really hard, especially with wide receivers. Wide receivers, for some reason, that position uh, has a real, um, a, a real propensity for me-first type of guys. And those guys, no matter how gifted they are, how fast, what their wingspan is, or their forty-time, uh, their you know vertical jump, uh, if they're not part of this culture of unselfishness and team first, they're not coming to the Eagles. And when you see a guy that's bounced around from team to team to team or a guy who's been released or suspended, there's a reason for it. And and that guy's not coming here. And and the other part of that is those veteran guys who've had big seasons, who are on the street for some reason, they're going to want a lot of money. I mean, Des Bryant turned down like, well, how many millions of dollars did he turn down from the Ravens? Now his price tag might've come down because he's out of work. Uh um, but you've got to look not where a guy was three years ago, but where he is now, who he is as a player now. Des Bryant's last big year was three years ago. Even a guy like Jeremy Macklin, who knows the offense, uh, he had, you know his last two years certainly were not, were not good years. And, and it's a position where when you lose it, you lose it quick. And the, defense, uh, the difference between a 26-year-old wide receiver and the same guy at 28 or 29 is big in a lot of cases. And you just have to be careful who you bring in, uh, who you try to acclimate into your locker room, because oh, th- this team has a very special chemistry, a very special culture. And one guy, it only takes one guy to come in, make it about himself, start the man in the ball. How come I'm not getting the ball? How come I'm not getting enough reps? How come uh, I didn't play enough in the last game? I want more money. I want a new contract. It just takes one guy to tear the whole thing down. And that's why you just have to be really careful bringing in veterans, especially at wide receiver, where it's a position that kind of leans toward uh, egotistical me first guys. And we've certainly seen our share of those come through. Um, you know, one of the special things about this team in 2017 was how unselfish that group of receivers was with Alshon and, and, and uh, Torrey Smith and Aguilar. And those guys, and it's it's very, very important that this team maintains that culture and that chemistry and that unselfish attitude. If you can find a guy who can come in and make plays and have that attitude, uh, that's great. It's going to be very, very hard to find that and even harder to get them ready to play football. The good news is Alshon, I think, will be back in the next couple of weeks. And then you'll have your one-two punch from last year with Alshon and Aguilar. Uh, Wentz is going to make all the receivers better. Uh, You you hope the younger guys like DeAndre Carter and Shelton Gibson can kind of settle into the regular season game speed that they're seeing. And Kamar Aiken, he's Kamar Aiken. And if he's got to play, then you just got to, you know, you got to hope you see the Kamar Aiken who almost had a thousand yard season for the Ravens a few years ago. So that's where they are as a wide receiving group. Uh, It's not ideal, uh, but you have a salary cap. Some things you can do and some things you just can't do and some things you don't want to do. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Eagles proceed there. All right, Eagles Buccaneers, 27 to 21. A couple notes about Tampa, the best airport in the country, maybe the best airport in the world. They just built a $3 billion rent-a-car center and monorail that, that goes from the terminal right into the rent-a-car center, which is a couple miles away. And I'll tell you what, that monorail is, is – Hillier and faster and steeper than any roller coaster i 've ever been on, and I just spent the whole day Saturday just riding the monorail all day i 'm not i 'm going to be honest, I spent about eight hours riding the rent a car monitor riding the rent a car uh, monorail at Tampa airport uh, This was not a uh, this is not a terrible loss in my eyes and i 'll tell you i 'll tell you why uh, what I look for every, every team 's going to lose games, and the Eagles lost week two last year in Kansas City uh, they were kind of similar games in that. They were down two touchdowns, three touchdowns. They were down big. They didn't play well early. They looked kind of not ready, overmatched. And there was a point in both games, week two in KC last year, week two in Tampa this year, where uh, it looked like it was getting away from them a little bit. And in both cases, uh, they didn't win, but they kind of played better as the game went on and made it interesting. And the scores were almost identical, 27-20 in um Twenty-seven twenty-one in Kansas City last year, Twenty-seven twenty 20 in Tampa yesterday. And w- what I liked was the way they responded. Well, that, that was a 27-7 game late in the third quarter. And you look at that point, you say, you know what, they're not going to win the game, most likely. Uh, how do they play? What do they do? How do they respond? How do they react? This is a team that's coming off a Super Bowl, hasn't been in this position in a long time. Uh, it's embarrassing. You look up at the scoreboard, and it's 27-7. You haven't lost a game since Seattle in December, uh, a meaningful game. I don't count that Cowboys game. And I really like the way, the way they responded. Now, that doesn't excuse the big plays early. It doesn't excuse the lack of pass pressure. It doesn't excuse Knicks inconsistencies and, and all the other issues we saw. But it is encouraging in the big picture that when this team was facing a 20-point deficit, uh, they just kept playing hard, and they just kept fighting and kept battling, and that's what I was looking for. How, how are they going to react to a situation they haven't been in? It's really easy in that situation to say, you know what, it's not our day. We're just going to kind of fold the tents and you know warm up the buses and every other cliche, and you know we'll we'll go back to Philly one and one tied for first place because at that point Washington had already lost, and you knew the other two teams, one was going to be one and one, and the other's going to be zero two, and. Uh, You know, cut your losses. You know, we'll we'll take a forty to ten loss and be on our way. But uh, they made it a game, and I never felt like they were gonna. There there were a couple moments. If they had converted that one uh, fourth down uh, in the fourth quarter, maybe they had a chance to come back and win a thing. But they kind of ran out of time. But uh, I was impressed with the effort. I I don't think the effort ever waned. Uh, The level of play wasn't always great. Uh, but that's going to happen. You're going to have games like that. It's, it, every single team does. And only one team's going 16 and 0, and they, you know, they lost in the in the Super Bowl. So uh, every team's going to deal with that stuff. Every team's going to face it. Uh, I love how the Eagles reacted. And uh, as long as they play hard like that, they're a talented team. They're a good team. They have really good players, especially on defense, but on offense too. They do have a lot of really good players. If that effort is there, and and that. Uh, lack of of giving up and that 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 mentality of we're just always going to bring it and and then after 60 minutes we'll just see what the score is, uh, that's going to serve them well, and that's something they had last year. You know the Eagles trailed in 12 games last year that they end up winning, which is kind of crazy. I mean they that was a team. You think back to last year and some of the blowouts in the Minnesota game and. Uh, but it wasn't always easy for the 2017 Eagles on the way to the Super Bowl. There was um, there was a lot of games that they trailed, a lot of games they trailed late. Obviously, the Super Bowl was one of them. You look at the Minnesota game. Until Patrick Robinson's pick six, they couldn't get anything going. Um, the Vikings were in in danger of going up 14-0. They were driving. Uh, this is a team that last year dealt with adversity extremely well. And it's a really good sign, a really encouraging sign to me that this, this year's team in week two did the exact same thing. All right, when we come back, we'll take a look around the NFC East, see what's going on with the rest of the teams in the division. And I'm going to talk about one area uh, from the game that uh, I was really disappointed in on the Eagles' part. Uh, but first, this important health tip from Deborah Heart and Long Center. This is Rube Knows, the podcast. We're back with the Rube Knows podcast. I'm Ruben Frank. And in just a moment, I'll give you some crazy Rube Knows stats. That's the name of the podcast. That's the name of the stats as well. And we'll also look at the division uh, after two weeks. But first, I want to touch on the defensive line a little bit. And I know everybody was disgusted with Jalen Mills, who been on a double move on the first play of the game, uh, gave up a 75-yard touchdown. And Ronald Darby, uh, who missed a tackle on the second 75-yard touchdown. There's not many games where you have to kind of identify which 75-yard touchdown you're talking about, uh, but we do have to do that, unfortunately, in this in this case. And and both those guys should know better and should be able to make those plays. If not, if not an incomplete pass, get the guy down, cut your losses. This, we know this is a very good red zone defense. You can get him down on the one-yard line, you have a chance to keep him out of the end zone. Uh, and Malcolm Jenkins shouldn't go without uh, blame here as well. He bit on, um, uh, well he he vacated the post uh, on, the, on the long touchdown to open the game and blamed himself for the touchdown. Um, I, I thought when I watched in real time at the stadium that he could have made a play on O.J. Howard, the tight end, on the second long touchdown, but watching the replay uh, he was blocked pretty well by Chris Godwin, so I'm not going to blame him for that one, but uh, it's un- inexcusable to allow those plays. Uh, that said, you got to remember, and my Twitter feed is full of people that want to bench Jalen Mills and get rid of Jalen. Mills is a Super Bowl cornerback who played great last year, who's 24 years old, uh, who every cornerback, especially young cornerbacks, is going to give up a play here and there. You give up a play to Deshaun Jackson, who has the third most 50-yard touchdowns in NFL history – uh, it's not something you want to do, but it's going to happen. And people have to understand that every cornerback, no matter how good they are, I don't care if it's Troy Vincent, Eric Allen, Bobby Taylor, or Lito Shepard, you're going to give up big plays. It's, it's the nature of the beast. Uh, you know, it's, it's how you bounce back from them. And I, I thought after the second long touchdown, the Eagles defense bounced back fairly well. Uh, but the blame has to go around to the D-line as well. You know, I thought the defensive line was going to control this game. I thought they were going to command this game. And this defensive line is being paid a ton of money, uh, about 50 times more than the cornerbacks, by the way, uh, to to be one of the best defensive lines in football. And they weren't. Uh, Fletcher got a sack early. They had some pressure early. I thought they had some good pressure early. And then it just evaporated. Um, Jim Schwartz rotated guys. So I don't think the heat was a factor because nobody was playing a ton of snaps. Um, but they just didn't get the push that you need. And you all know that big plays aren't just breakdowns in the secondary. It's a lack of pressure up front. Uh, if if the if the pressure's getting there, nobody's sitting 75-yard touchdowns on you. And you know, the Eagles didn't have a game last year where they gave up uh, two 15-yard touchdown passes in the same game. So to give up two 75-yarders uh, is crazy. Um, the defensive line has to be better and – no, well, that, that's, that's just the reality of it. They have to play well on the road as well as at home where you know they have the, the advantage with the, the snap counts. Uh, Chris Long, who had such a great game in the opener, uh, didn't do a whole lot. Uh, Derek Barnett, I thought, made a couple plays in the run game, uh, had a couple early pressures, but then we didn't see him. Uh, it, it just wasn't a great day for the defensive line. Brandon Graham didn't do a whole lot. Uh, they just didn't have. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, look, this guy is really good at getting rid of the ball quick. Uh, but those deep balls, you got to get pressure. You got to get some hits on Ryan Fitzpatrick. You got to get him down on the ground. You got to get those sacks. They had one early sack, and that was it. The Ryan Fitzpatrick in his career, when he sacked three or more times, is 9 and 29. When he sacked two or fewer times, uh, he's 44 and 42. Uh, he he's the kind of guy that if you can get steady pressure on him, he he's just not going to beat you. I was really disappointed that this defense was not able to do it uh, in, in this situation. It's not a great offensive line that Tampa has, and I, th- I thought there were mismatches that uh, the the Eagles were just unable to uh, to take advantage of up front. They got to be better. They did play great against the run, but when you're giving up 400 some odd passing yards. Uh, you're not going to do a whole lot of celebrating about run defense. Uh, let's give you some Rubno stats here, and uh, uh, I, I, tr- I was trying to make the stats positive because nobody wants to hear real negative stats after a loss. But I got to have one. I got to have one, so we'll go positive, and then one negative one. Uh, but it's it's a good negative stat. Like it's a it's a good stat. It just happens to be negative. All right, number one, Zach Ertz, 11 catches, 94 yards. That was the sixth time in Zach's career. This is crazy. He's he's only 27 in a six year, but it's a sixth time with 10 or more catches. Only three tight ends in history have more career games with double-digit receptions than Zach Ertz. Tony Gonzalez, maybe the greatest of all time. He had 15. Jason Witten, also a Hall of Famer, had 11. And Kellen Winslow Sr. had seven. And that is it. And that's pretty good company for Zach Ertz, uh, considering he's still – Oh, a young guy, 27 years old. Uh, I, I don't think he's playing great, but he's putting up good numbers. And I still think he had that first down. I, I'll tell you what. I I watched that over and over and over. I never saw a great replay on that fourth and and four. I never saw a great replay that showed the the ball and his knee in the same frame. Uh, but just from watching the play over and over, I just think it was a first down. and uh, I think the reason they didn't challenge it was because it was like we didn't have a good angle on it. I think the guys upstairs in the Eagles booth didn't have a good angle. And uh, even if they thought it was a first down, if there was no compelling evidence to overturn it, you can't waste a the challenge there. You just can't afford to do it. It's not about whether you're right. It's about what are our chances of getting this thing overturned. And they obviously felt they were not very good. All right, Nelson Aguilar stat. Eight catches against the Falcons, eight catches against the Bucks first player in Eagles history to open a season with eight or more catches in each of the first two games. All right, Ryan Fitzpatrick, this is the one you don't want to hear, became the first quarterback ever to throw for 400 yards with four more touchdowns and complete 80 percent of his passes. This This is a guy who's 35, who's with his seventh team, who's with his fifth team in seven years, and he threw for 400 yards for the second week in a row, for four touchdowns for the second week in a row, completed 83% of his passes. First guy ever to do that against the Eagles. Only the seventh quarterback in NFL history ever to go 400, 4, and 80%. The others, it's a pretty good list. Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, former Eagle Ken O'Brien. Who doesn't fit in this picture? And Steve Young. Ken O'Brien of the Jets, and Steve Young is the other one. Uh let's look around at the division real quick. The Redskins, as good as they looked on the road in the opener, uh, they were just, they looked awful. Uh, 21-9 loss, terrible loss at home in Landover to the Colts who are coming into Philly. Uh, so they're 1-1. One one. Uh, Giants just look dreadful. I guess the Giants are the worst team in the division. They, they just, I, I think Eli, Eli looks like a shot fighter. And he's, one thing about Eli, people don't give enough credit for how tough he is. He took a beating, was sacked six times. Uh, I mean, everybody's seen the picture of him. I guess it's been tweeted out about a billion times uh, of little whiny-faced Eli. But Eli's a tough dude, and he hung in there. I think a lot of quarterbacks wouldn't even finish that game. Uh, But uh, the Giants just are terrible. Uh, You you really wonder, as good as Saquon Barkley is, if they regret not drafting Darnold because – I mean, Eli looks like he's just about done, and without a quarterback, that's one thing the Eagles understood right from the get-go. It's it's not about running backs; it's not about anything. It's about getting an elite quarterback. Giants had a chance to do it as good as Barkley is, and I think he's really good guy. He had 14 receptions. Uh, it's the most by most by a running back in uh, since 1981. Uh, but Sam Darnold is is a elite young quarterback, and I think the Giants are glad having him. Dallas looked good. Uh, Again, Dak Prescott didn't really impress me. One 66-yard pass and everything else, he had less than 100 yards other than that. Uh, It's not a high-powered offense. Ezekiel looks okay. He looks good. Dak looks okay. I think when everything lines up at home against a bad team, uh, they're good enough to win that game. I just don't think the Cowboys are an elite team. Who's the second-best team in the division? I guess right now you say Dallas just because they're coming off a division win. Uh, but you know the, the Colts. Uh, you know I think are I think that was a good win for the Redskins over the Colts and on the road. So the Redskins, Giants, Eagles all have all have one win. The Giants uh, don't have any, and it's gonna be very interesting moving forward once. Uh, once the Eagles start playing these division games coming up later in the season. I still think they're the class of the NFC East, and I don't think it's close. Uh, That's going to do it for this week's Rube Knows podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for checking us out. Look for my next podcast uh, coming up in the next few days. Uh, Everybody have a great week. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to Rube Knows on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Remember to subscribe to Rube Knows wherever you listen to podcasts.